anxiety fueled my professional engagement. But using that anxiety to inspire me to go, <laughs> frankly, way overboard in, in compensating for that. And actually, do you understand what I'm saying? Using mm -hmm. that anxiety to the point where is it something I want to let go of necessarily? So all of a sudden you and I seek help. We're in six weeks ago. Wow, it's just a whole different deal what's happening. And the doctor says, oh, well, your, your brain's working normal. You're listening to the Born Again Anxious podcast. Anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues don't just go away magically for Christians. So let's have an honest conversation about what it's like to be born again and anxious. Well, hey friends, I am Adam Reynolds. I am your host for the Born Again Anxious podcast, and I am so thankful that you are listening to us today. You know, whether this is your uh, first time listening or you've been listening to a lot of our episodes, uh, glad that you're listening today, and uh, and I think that today's interview uh, will uh, will be a good one for you. Uh, so I am recording this introduction uh, to the interview that you're going to hear in just a minute. I'm recording this introduction at the end of 2020. Um, you know, in fact, we are about, uh, what, three, four days before uh, Christmas, right? And so, like like a lot of people, uh, when, when you... Uh, you know, get to the end of the year or beginning of a new one, you, you kind of do a little bit of reflection and you kind of think back on the past year and you look forward to the next year. Um, and can I just tell you, I'm excited about what 2021 holds for, uh, for this podcast. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a couple of, uh, couple of interviews lined up here in the next couple weeks uh, that, that hopefully will be getting out on the podcast soon. Um, from some some people um, with some perspectives that I think are going to be really really great, uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, we're definitely going to dive into to uh, more topics and and uh, hopefully continue to build that Facebook uh, community that we have. Uh, you know, one of the one of the things that I would I would just say is um, I'd I'd love to hear from you. Uh, the listener, what's what's been encouraging to you? Uh, what has been helpful to you? What do you wish that we would talk about more on this podcast? Or maybe even you would love to share your story. Uh, whatever it may be, I'd I'd love it if you'd uh, reach out uh, reach out to me and uh, and and uh, let me know those things. Uh, the easiest way to, to get in contact would be heading over to Facebook and uh, just search for Born Again Anxious, and you'll find that Facebook page. Um, so check that out. Well, like I said, uh, you get to listen to an interview today from Ned Erdmans um, as he tells his story. Uh, kind of funny thing as I was as I was listening back to this um, recording, I thought, "Oh man, what happened to the audio?" Um, but luckily, it was only on my end um, that it sounds a little bit like I'm in a can. Uh, luckily, uh, his, Ned's audio, which is the the most important part of this recording, 
that sounded good. It was just mine. I, I don't know what was going on. So anyway, without any further ado, um, let's hear from Ned Erdmans. Well, Ned, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the podcast. Um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and, uh, and tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what your experience has been with uh, depression, with generalized anxiety disorder, and with OCD. Well, thank you, Pastor Adam. It, it's great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to share. Uh, for most of my life, I've experienced, well, just what you described, what I now know as generalized anxiety disorder, pretty much from earliest memories, even as a child being you know, quite anxious, worried about a lot of different things. Uh, even in my home, I worried a lot about pleasing my parents, pleasing my grandparents, pleasing my church, and uh, pretty much took over uh, how I thought through those times. Even as I went into university and then uh, trained as a teacher, I actually went back to my hometown. Uh, and at that point, putting so many uh, anxious expectations on myself, I had my first really big uh, disabling episode uh, with anxiety and depression there. Uh, I had gone there thinking that I was quite well qualified to take over for a former teacher of mine who had uh, resigned rather quickly. And uh, within six weeks, I was unable to go forward and uh, sought help at that point, newly married. Uh, it was so traumatic that once I uh, saw some sort of glimmer of hope of getting out of it, I really didn't want to go back there again. And so what I did for the next subsequent many years is, uh, and I, hearing your story as well, Adam, I really threw myself into my work, uh, both as a teacher and then later in seminary and as a pastor. Um, did not have the same anxiety episode that I had previously, but developed a lot of uh, medical issues that just have to do with uh, burying anxious thoughts, <laughs> gastrointestinal, all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff. Uh, if we fast forward, uh, seven years ago, uh, I was in the midst of a season where professionally I was probably felt as though I was at the top of my professional life. Things were going very well. I was receiving recognition both in my church and in my community and uh, as well as our denomination. And at that point, I also, uh, now I realize it, was presenting uh, extremely grandiose behavior and attitudes. Uh, I was becoming quite grandiose towards my family, feeling as though they didn't understand uh, how hard I work or the worth of what I do and that sort of thing, uh, and becoming resentful at home. Uh, I was becoming resentful at church and even angry with people who uh, may have opposed or didn't go along with my ideas, and soon that anger leached into even hatred toward these people. Uh, I thought I was just really very important and really hot stuff. Uh, at Seven years ago, uh, while on a trout fishing trip, I got disoriented out in the woods and started having some very, very strange thoughts. Uh, did get out, did get home, and went into a full-blown 
uh, crash where anxiety took over all of my thinking and took over my life. Out of the blue, I believed that I was going to lose my job. Mm. I thought I was going to lose my marriage, thought I was going to lose my family, uh, thought I was going to lose my life. Uh, woke up terrified every morning and it, it, was, it was a mystery to everyone around me. And even to the point where I uh, got the uh, photo albums out and wondered how I could Photoshop myself out of photographs so that when I was gone, you know, it would make my family feel bad. Uh, I realized that I'd been uh, just kind of really mean spirited towards my wife and my kids and, you know, just was repenting all the time and crying and then went into a state of insomnia that lasted about six weeks and uh, just about did me in, in every, <laughs> medically everything. It took all of that to say, Adam, that uh, I finally sought the help that I needed through a trusted family physician who got me connected with uh, a counselor, got me connected with a great psychiatrist, developed a support system, got Margie on board, sought counseling both individual and with her, and started the long process of uh, trying to become more whole again, and really more real in my thinking. Uh, and so uh, in that seven years, uh, it took a long time <laughs> to realize even what had happened. Uh, but I did feel as though in the end that I was able to come to peace with the fact that this was part of me and it needed to be managed and that um, it may even be able to be used by God for good someday. Um, and that day did come. Uh, three years ago, I was invited to speak at a pastor's conference where a uh, church would be filled with my colleagues, would be filled with our denominational president, uh, our regional denominational executive, uh, several of the professors from the seminary. And I was there to bring comic relief for 10 minutes before lunch. And they, I had been told, you can just say whatever you want. Um, and uh, we know you're funny and tell great stories. So I realized about a week later that I wasn't going to be funny. I was going to use this opportunity to tell my colleagues about my journey, the same journey I've talked to you about right now, Adam, and also uh, to encourage them, but also create a conversation that just wasn't taking place amongst my peers. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned, I mean, first of all, thank you for, for sharing your story. Yeah. I think there's, there's, um, there's power in, in even just sharing our story and, yeah. and kind of, you know, as, as you and I were talking a little bit before, uh, before we started recording, just about how um, so often when we share our story, there, there are others that um, um, resonate with different parts of our story that, that we wouldn't realize, mm -hmm. um, that, that we wouldn't thought of thought about. One of the things you said in the beginning, and this maybe kind of goes to also to, to when you were talking about speaking to a, a group of pastors um, who, who really probably needed to hear this and didn't know they needed to hear mm -hmm, this. Mm -hmm. um, you had mentioned and you had said you, had, you threw yourself into your work 
mm-hmm. after that first um, that first episode. And you know, you said professionally, you felt like you were at the top of your game, the, mm-hmm. the top of your work. Um, wh- why do you think you know every everyone is different? Um, but you know, you, you and I uh, have a, a similar experience that um, we threw ourselves into our work mm-hmm. after after we experienced this. Why do you think that is um, that is one response that that we take to this? Well, obviously, it's just one other form of self medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is that? For a performer or performance-oriented person, it's to get as much positive reinforcement as possible. And so why are you working this hard? You want people to say to you, you work really hard, you do really great, you're really on top of it. That's good to hear when inside you think, I'm losing it. (laughs) And two, at home, you don't go home, you shouldn't go home and have your family say, Man, you walk on water, Ned. You're the greatest thing that ever. <laughs> and they shouldn't say that. They should say, we love you for who you are. That's how families work. That's how marriages are rich. But if you're so performance oriented and you're trying to escape all this anxiety, all you want to hear is you walk on water. You're great. When you speak, the angels saying, I know I'm being kooky, but that's what you want to hear, Adam, don't you? Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I recently I, I heard um, somebody in a webinar say that they have a, a saying at around their office, and it um, it's your wife and your body don't lie. And yeah. uh, you know, you're you're listen, and their his their point was this: that you uh, you need to listen to those who are close to you, and you need to listen to your body. And and when they're telling both telling you that something's wrong. Um, maybe, maybe you ought to listen. Don't throw yourself into work. Don't, and don't continue to, to oh, seek these things in this, um, in this negative way. And dear listener, if you were spacing out the last 30 seconds, rewind and listen to that. Okay. Cause Adam at age 29, I was already having, and this is probably TMI for your listeners, but you make things interesting, I suppose. <laughs> um, I had I had lost complete control of my bowels at age twenty nine. Mm. So I was getting scoped north and south, and finally, the, the physicians I was talking with said, "You got to cool it," but I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And my wife was saying too, "You got to cool it, man," and I just kept soldiering because again. Adam, it, it was a means of escape for a performance-oriented yeah. person. Yeah. Easier yeah. said than done. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's interesting. You, you mentioned, um, you know, physical symptoms. And it is so interesting that our body will slow us down mm-hmm. if we're not willing to slow down. Yeah. Um, so what did you find when, when you started sharing your story um when when you started kind of i don't know getting real about this sort of stuff you know letting letting people in what did you find the response to be relief Mm. i would say relief 
not everybody, but most people. And I think that the relief came from at home, for instance, you're willing to get better because not only have you been managing this all along, we've been having to manage it all along too. Um, and if you're willing to get better, there's, this is a relief. When I would talk to people privately as you have as well, Adam, and we talk to people who are suffering from uh, mental health issues and we share a bit of our own struggle, not because you're Adam or I'm Ned, but because of our role and position to hear a pastor say, this is my struggle as well. But the power of that role behind it, it's for most people a tremendous relief. You mean a pastor can experience this? Yeah, and struggle with this, yeah. Wow, I'm relieved. There's only a few people, Adam, and I know that we've talked about this already before off, off, the, off the podcast, that really can't handle it. And it's not because Adam is struggling or Ned is struggling. It's because they have this idea of the role of pastor and it just doesn't fit. And it's really yeah. hard. So for those folks who have this idea of pastor that they're just uh, extremely strong, can march through anything almost impregnable in their uh, constitution, you know, mm -hmm. and you start sharing some of this stuff some people and not very many but a few just don't they're just not ready or equipped to go there with you so those are the two i think largely though adam relief especially with my colleagues did you find that i mean you know you mentioned that relief did it then make it a little easier to to walk through these things knowing that you you know other people knew it wasn't a secret. Um, it was was did it make it easier in any way there? So again, we as pastors, performance people, we we we'll do it backwards, okay, and we'll say that. Well, I hope the public can deal with this, okay. The the congregation, the people out there, and and again, we're backwards. Don't worry about them. <laughs> you know, is it easier to talk about with your spouse? Is it easier to talk about with your children or your close friends? Is it easier to talk about with your brother or your sister or your parents? That's what's most important, not whether you could preach it or teach it or make it part of the public perception of you. Uh, and so priority wise, great question, Adam. I would say that it was way more important that I could talk about this with my wife and family and my closest friends because they were the people that were going to be with me long after being with the congregation and that were going to be honest and that we're going to journey through this and also the people that had put up with this too for a long time as i was working through it and showed great love and patience and respect um now is it easier to talk about than to greater groups of people oh yeah uh-huh I don't feel as though, Adam, one single bit that I have something to hide that I'm scared of. The only thing that I respect is, is that not everyone has the same, uh, they're not at the same place as far as receiving that sort of story and that sort of information. Some people are right there, they're with you. Some people, it's, it's harder to, to get and to process.
So I'm careful. You know, it wasn't in every sermon and it's not in every sermon of yours for sure. Right. Uh, but it, when used appropriately, it's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, you know, get, talk to the, the person maybe that's, that's listening who is um, experiencing these things, um, you know, maybe, maybe similar to your, your story. Um, the, the person, you know, that, that is, a, is a follower of Jesus, um, that, is, that is dealing with these things, what sort of advice would you give uh, to them? And I'm, I'm thinking just in, a, you know, not just, just pastors, but just in general. What would you say to them? What sort of encouragement would you give them? Well, I think the first encouragement I would give is, and Adam, you've said some of this before, either we can try to, in our anxiety, either assert a lot of control. That's one way of doing it. And so you try to control the reaction of everybody to you. You try to control every situation. You try to control and engineer circumstances. You try to control the attitudes and words that other people use and you try to control your environment so that nothing comes at you that can trigger an event that's one way of doing it if you catch yourself doing that be honest with yourself because we're on a bad path another way of doing it is to uh just be in denial i'd say i was in the denial category so you're having medical breakdown you're having physical breakdown you're having relational breakdown but you're still thriving in one particular area. For us, it was our career. We've thrown ourselves into that, so at least we're functioning somewhere, so we must be okay. Um, no, if, if there are signs that we see relationally, medically, all this sort of stuff, and, and let's be honest about it, okay? And even ask those people it affects, I, I need to be in a position to listen to you even to the point where if we need a counselor to help us do that, we, we need to take that direction. So control uh, or denial or, or giving way completely to the anxiety hmm. because we just don't what, know how to live without it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's almost a feeling of, I don't know if you had this experience, um, but I know I did when I was, um, you know, when, when I started, um, on medication and, and after, you know, and obviously that takes a little while to, to, yeah. for things to level out. Um, but once it did, I almost had this feeling of like, wait, I, I feel good. I shouldn't feel good. And then, mm-hmm. I, then I would feel guilty and my depression would almost like, it, it was very weird, very weird experience. It's sure. a weird experience for those who haven't experienced it. But for those who have, it's not weird at all. You can become, Adam, in a place where the anxiety is so constant and so pervasive in your life that it it does become a source of fuel. It, it does become a source of where this must be my normal. This must be. Uh, this must be the way I'm just going to have to be for the rest of my life and to actually not know how to function without it. You know, 
for instance, can I give you an example of that? Because I'm sounding yeah. too general. Okay, so we go back to performance at, at the job. Um, anxiety fueled my professional engagement. Anxious about how people would feel about me. Anxious about what people would think. Anxious about my level of performance. Anxious about the response of our elders. Anxious about, okay, but using that anxiety to inspire me to go, <laughs> frankly, way overboard. In, in compensating for that and actually, do you understand what I'm saying? Using mm -hmm. that anxiety mm -hmm. to the point where is it something I want to let go of necessarily? So all of a sudden you and I seek help or in six weeks ago, wow, it's just a whole different deal. What's happening? And the doctor says, oh, well, your, your brain's working normally. Yeah. But, yeah. but I didn't know that before. I thought it was yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's key. You you mentioned you know like oh your brain's working normally. Sometimes that's a misunderstanding, isn't it? That that like oh these are just uh, um, happy pills. You know I, I oh. use that very I use that very tongue in cheek, right? Not that yeah. I believe that, but you know or like oh these are just you know feel good sort of thing. There's this thing again. So we as Christian folk we want our story to be victorious. We want to participate in the victorious Christian life. And a lot of people say, I don't want to seek this help because I don't want to take some feel good pill or be happy pill. I want to do this on my own. I want to have victory over this. I should be able to pray my way out. And yet I've never heard a very few people who say that about their chemo <laughs> and radiation for their, their cancer or, or, their the medication that they're taking for their Crohn's disease. So again, the misunderstanding, while we're aware of the misunderstanding that exists out in the greater Christian community and stigmas and whatever, we carry them too, personally. Okay. It's not, it's, and what we say is, you know, so don't, I don't, I'm mistrustful and of, of medications and shrinks and whatever people say. Yeah. So, but what we can, Adam and I can both reassure you if you're listening today that, and, and or if you have a loved one who's dealing with this, this isn't, this isn't LSD or crack or something, okay? This isn't some sort of feel good. What we're addressing here is a chemical imbalance in our neurological system that is causing certain perspectives and behaviors. And unless they're reversed, it's going to be ultimately damaging and heartbreaking. And we can't intervene right now to address those issues. And by addressing that, it will make room for us to be able to address the spiritual, relational, and other issues associated with what's going on. But if we try to address all of those other ones without addressing the medical element of this, we are not going to succeed. And if we don't succeed, we're going to think we're a failure we're going to think that we're not in God's favor. We're going to think that we're not spiritual enough, any number of things. So I think our advice to you today, especially our colleague pastors, is that it's time to get help and to understand this. Yes, of course, there are emotional, very much so spiritual, relational components, but we need to address what's happening here medically. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say? I mean, you, you, 
mentioned pastors. Is there anything that you would say um, to um, to that group, to to pastors? You know, because this, I mean, this podcast is is you know kind of generally um, about um, you know talking about mental health and and talking about um, those who deal with these things. But I also know that there are a number of pastors that that listen to this um, because I've talked with them. Mm-hmm. What what advice would you give them? Stop hiding. Mm-hmm. When I gave that speech that I related to earlier and uh, took the risk kind of that I did, because yeah, everyone was there, including our denomination was there, uh, I was shedding a light on a reality in that room that I have no this folks this is just a a guess but I would guess that at least half of my colleagues in the room were quietly taking some sort of medication for depression Mm -hmm. at least it's part of our profession to be honest with you at this time with the sort of pressures that are out there um, I would say that uh, as pastors it's one of the, if not the number one medical uh, professional hazard we have. And yet everyone's very, very quiet about it. I think when I gave that 10 minute TED talk, you could have heard a pin drop. And it's not because they were shocked Ned was saying this. It was like someone finally said it. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> someone yeah. finally said this. Oh, you know. Um, and so yeah, it's like it's like the secret's out. The secret's but it's out just, now. never been a secret. It's just that exactly. again, the, the yeah. stigmas and the role of pastor and all the expectations, both personal and ex- external. And so, as we're talking to pastors now, and pastor, if you're listening today, um, l- let go a little bit of the the pressure to to hide this and do this by yourself and beat it. Okay. Uh, no, I think it's time to be real and to be honest about you, you need to, for the sake, not only of your congregation, but of your family, but even your relationship with God and your calling to address this and to do so in a way that is realistic, that is medical, spiritual, emotional, and relational. Well, Ned, I, I appreciate the conversation today. Um, I appreciate you sharing your, your story. Um, I know I, I am always encouraged uh, when, you know, just for myself, when I get to sit down and, uh, and hear someone else's story um, and, and hear how they are um, walking through it, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, mm-hmm. um, all, all of it. We are, we are human beings, and to come to grips with that, and to deal with the things that human beings deal with. And Adam, you and I ultimately are responsible for our personal health. No one can take that responsibility for us. And so our encouragement to everyone listening today is take personal responsibility for your health and get the help that you need because help is there. Well, thanks for listening to the Born Again Anxious podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on your favorite 
podcast platform. Additionally, if you'd like to continue the conversation, we'd love to connect on Facebook. So just go to facebook.com slash bornagainanxious and join our private Facebook group, or you can simply find us by searching Born Again Anxious.